There is a phenomenon that exists today called cancel culture. You probably have heard of that term. And we could describe it very succinctly as you can do or say something that is so bad and wrong that according to the group think that imposes the sentence on you, you are canceled, which means that you are ostracized from society and really you don't have a right to exist, to live. This sentence can be imposed on the living or the dead. And it exists in our culture today in sometimes very poignant ways. Now, I was thinking about that because of actually the first reading today. So we heard in the first reading that God was really angry with the Israelites. And you know why? Moses was up with God. He received the Ten Commandments, communing with God. And meanwhile, the Israelites down at the base of Mount Sinai didn't think that Moses was going to come back. So they said, you know what? We just have to go on our own. So I know, let's erect, build a, a golden calf, and we'll worship that golden calf and call it God. And so God, because he knows everything, got wind of that, and he sent Moses back down to his people. But before Moses got there, God had a little conversation with him that you heard. And he said, you know what? I am so upset with this people of yours, which really they're God's people, this people of yours, that I'm going to wipe them out, cancel them, and I'm going to start all over again. And you heard, and this is, this is really amazing, Moses goes up to God and says, oh, come on, you can't do that. Now he's negotiating with Almighty God. You can't do that because you rescued these people. These people are your own. And God says, all right, all right, I relent of what I was going to do. Now, that in and of itself, we could talk for hours about how mysterious that passage is. But what I want to highlight is this. Man, is God that way too? Is God the originator of cancel culture? Where you need to be ostracized? Oh, or, or even worse, you don't deserve to live? But I thought, nah, God can't be like that. And then I started looking at, at, at Moses, and I thought, oh, okay. Moses went before God, and we have a special word that we use there. He went before God to intercede for the people who are at the base of the mountain making a mess out of their lives. And, and, and what God was saying is that, but, but Moses, these people have sinned. And so what, what, what is the penalty for sin? Remember what Scripture says? The wages of sin is death. But Moses interceded on behalf of those wayward people, and the Father relented. Hmm. Interceded. Oh, do we know somebody who interceded for us before the Father? And you know what we call him? The new Moses. Oh, oh, the Old Testament, that reading, was getting us ready to see something even more spectacular about God. Moses, Jesus, intercedes before God for us because he died on the cross. So he paid, oh, he paid the penalty for sin. He died, not you or me so that we would have life. Okay. 
What is that showing us? That God himself, the Son, would actually die for us of this waywardness of ours? So we certainly wouldn't be canceled. We wouldn't be obliterated from the face of this earth. Who is this? Well, we get an idea of who God is through the gospel that Deacon Ken proclaimed, the chapter of mercy. And we heard, and I'm thinking of the prodigal son now, we heard of this crazy kid who said, I want to get out of here. I want to sow my wild oats. So the way I'm going to do this is, Dad, you're going to give me your inheritance. And it's like, what? You don't do that. You don't say that to your dad. You don't say to him now. You didn't say it to it in the time of Jesus. Because what the, the son was saying is, Dad, I want you dead. And I'm saying that in front of everybody for them to hear. And I'm, I'm going to put my foot down and say, gimme. So the father did. And you heard, the son went off, wasted his life, wasted his money, was starving, and, and decided to go back to his father and ask for forgiveness. And so a father who was wished dead and was embarrassed in front of everybody, you just don't do that. So what did he do? What did the father do? Did he cancel the son? Did he wish his son dead? No, he waited for his son to come back with a broken heart waited for his son to come back. And when he did, he heard the apology of his son, but this father just said, it's almost like you don't have to tell me that. I'm restoring you to my family, to our family. You are my son. I'll never forget that. And I'll never forsake you. Never. We see, friends, the mercy of God the abundant, superabundant, overflowing mercy of God. We see that face of Him, especially through His Son, who died on the cross for us. This is God's mercy. This is God's restoration. This is God saying, I will never forsake, cancel you, forget you, because you are one of my own. Now, the message can't get more profound than that. But friends, here's what I've discovered, okay? I've been preaching on this gospel, this very 24th Sunday of Ordinary Time, your see, for over the 36 years that I've been a priest, okay? And I'm just sharing my experience. I'm just sharing it with you to see what kind of how you'll respond to it. And when I preach God's mercy like this, it's all true, it's all true, absolutely true, and it's absolutely spectacular, then here's what I get. It's like, we should be jumping out of our pews right now because of his mercy. And I ask my, myself the question, and I ask the Lord too, why? You know, what, what, what is this? How come we're not just jumping up and celebrating the singing and having our, our well, we're going to have our feast, but having our feast? Why? And I got to thinking, well, you know, sometimes we don't acknowledge our own sinfulness, so we don't have any need, quote-unquote, 
for God's mercy. That happens today. And, and we get really apathetic about, about what we do and what we're about. Sometimes, though, there are people who, who say, I can't approach God at all. I, I, ugh, I don't, I'm, I'm undeserving. I'm, I'm scared to approach God. So, so I, I'm not even going to enter into that dynamic about, well, you know, I need to be forgiven. You know, sometimes people are, well, afraid, afraid of the cross and afraid of, of what the cross says. You, you know, like a week or so ago, Jesus said, carry your cross and be my disciple. Well, sometimes we don't want to get into that because it does cost us. And we're finding right now that something, someone, other things, whatever, can save us and make us feel comfortable, make us feel better. I'm a good person. That's what, all that's important. All that kind of stuff. And, and that, that, that we, don't, we don't enter into what this means, what the cross means, and what this mercy of God means. What it means for God to be so extravagant to say, I'll leave all my other sheep behind and look for the lost one. Or I'll look for some insignificant little penny. You, I don't have a penny in my pocket right now. I have a bunch of, of trail mix, though, because the bag broke. But I, I had to limp it out. But, you know, you've, you've, you've seen pennies before. You've held them, and you've heard them drop on the ground. And there, people lose their pennies, and then they don't want to pick them up. I do, because, oh, there's a penny. I'll pick that up. But but the pennies don't feel like they did 30, 40, 50 years ago, do they? You know, they feel like they're like this hollow thing. Okay, think of that penny, think of that penny as in the gospel today, where the lady lost her penny and she swept the whole house until she found that little penny. And then she said, Let's party. And I wonder what the people thought. You know, it's like, oh, what do you think? Let's party. I found a penny in the parking lot, you know? What do you think? Well, it might sound kind of strange, wouldn't it? You want to party, Genevieve? Yeah. All right. Cool. So, it, it's strange, right? But, but before God, we're a penny. You know, before God. But yet, here's this extravagance sweeping the place. Until that lost penny, that lost person, is found. This is God's mercy. This is the mercy of the cross. Why aren't we jumping up and down for joy? The God who seeks us out, not because he has to, not because he needs us, but because he wants to. Because you are one of his own. Hmm. You'll never be canceled out. Don't listen to the world today. Don't listen to the world today. God will never cancel you out. If there is something you have done or said, no matter how awful it is, no matter how deadly sinful it is, you can turn to God, and he will not cancel you out or say, better you're dead. Never will he say that. Instead, he will exercise the mercy of the cross and bring you back in to his fold and his life 
through forgiveness. You can take that to heaven with you because it is true. So this weekend, this weekend, let's do something maybe that we haven't done before or for a long time. Let's just stop and let's go to the cross of Christ and see that intercessor that says, I take on the wages of sin, which is death. And see that intercessor of Jesus who opens the font of abundant mercy for each and every one of us. And let's not just know it, but let's ask God to receive it in our hearts. Because this is a profound message of hope. It's a profound message of joy. And it cuts through all the garbage that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis in our lives and the, the stuff that's happening in the world today. We know someone not only cares, but goes way out of his way in order to say that you are mine.